Well, hello everyone. I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. And now I invite you to settle in and let's find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. Today's podcast is titled The Spiritual But Not Religious Journey. And I love the subtitle, The Holy Meets You Right Where You Are. And that subtitle says a lot because the spiritual but not religious journey is about finding the holy in your everyday life. That doesn't mean that you, it's necessarily exclusive to the spiritual but not religious path. There are many people who are religious and spiritual. There are many people who have found that spirituality outside of religion. The difference, the distinction that's being made here is that spirituality is not contingent upon religious affiliation or connection. Because what oftentimes happens, and I've seen it so many times as I was raised in Christianity, and I would see it so often that the work of the church became the identity of people whose primary focus was just the perpetuating the institution, that physical brick and mortar building, instead of really looking at what people need to nurture their soul work, to embrace their spirituality, their individual spirituality, not such a hyper focus on the spiritual community. Both can be a blessing and both can be enriching. But a lot of people find that alone in an individual setting. So that's the reason why we always say spirituality is not contingent upon religious affiliation or religious approval. And that's why the holy meets you right where you are. So when I first started seminary, one of the thing, one of the things that I absolutely loved was the tradition of we would start each of our class sessions together with uh, time and meditation. And it always was with a song. And in the, in the two years that we were together, we never heard the same song. It was always something unique. And one of the weekends that I specifically remember was when I heard this song called everything is holy now, and you can look it up. I'll put it in the show notes, but there is a line from this song that I absolutely love. It says today, the only difference is everything is holy now. The challenging thing becomes not to look for miracles, but finding where there isn't one. So in other words, the entirety of our lives can be holy if we accept that the entirety of our lives is a miracle. It's so easy to compartmentalize our spirituality. We dress it up in our Sunday best and we go off to church and we kind of check it off of our to-do list. I know there were times in my life where that's exactly what I did. It was church was something I did versus something I experienced that permeated in other aspects of my life. And you can see a lot of people now who resent the Sunday best Christian putting on their Sunday best acting a certain way at church, but then presenting to the world, a totally different person that usually starts the minute they leave church and they go 
to a restaurant where they don't tip very well and just Google it. You will find articles that tell you that Christians are synonymous with not tipping. That's embarrassing. I, I was still entrenched in and indoctrinated in uh, Christianity when I found this out. And the way I found out was I had attended a Joyce Meyer conference. I follow her around a, a tri-state area. I know I've told you that before. And I would drag my, my family along with me. And this one just happened to be in our state. And I we were there for the evening. And uh, the waiter, the, the server came up to our table and asked, he said, what's, what's going on here? What's all these people here? And I said, well, we just came from the Joyce Meyer uh, conference from across the street. And his, he, his expression was pained. It said it all. And I said, oh, is that a problem? He said, yeah, it just means I won't, I won't make budget tonight. Because the, the, he said, no offense, but y'all aren't good tippers. And I, I had never, I had never heard that. And I was like, oh no, we are. Cause I, I was, I've always been a good tipper. I always say that somebody in my life, including myself has been a server, has worked in the restaurant industry. And I know how grueling it is. I know how, how horrible some customers can be. So I've always want to be generous to them for somebody in my life that I would want somebody to be generous to as well out there. So it's kind of like one of those uh, karmic responses for me that I always want to tip well. So my husband and I always do. But what was so interesting the next morning when we went in, the spokesperson that was talking at the Joyce Meyer conference before Joyce came out, wanted to remind, now we're talking about 20,000 people in this, in this arena, wanted to remind us that they are now having trouble getting cities to host their conferences because people don't tip well. So the, the uh, visiting industry does not benefit that much from the Christian audience and I was stunned. So she was, she was encouraging to be generous with their tipping. And I'm like, I, I can't believe that we're adults and we're having to be told how to act and do it. And, and then someone else talked about how important it was not to be rude, not to, to, to display your, your, your manners and things. It's like, really, are we, are we talking about basic human kindness that we can't display at a conference because somewhere in the middle of our indoctrination into our religion, we have been told that our, our superiority complex makes us such that we can treat the entirety of humanity however we are and be okay with it. Well, so what was really happening there was that the tide was starting to turn where people were for years suffering in silence under this type of arrogant behavior were now starting to push back. And the, the Christian economy industry that was like in the conference and stuff was starting to notice it. They were having challenges booking arenas. They were having challenges working with visitors, bureaus, and things like that because of those, um, what was synonymous with bringing Christian crowds into these areas. And I still to this day can't believe that that happened, but it absolutely did. Okay, that was a little bit of a side note, but the reason why I, I'm bringing this up today, and I have talked about this uh, on this podcast several times, but it is one of the most asked questions. And so I spent time recently trying to clear out some of the backlog on questions, and we get thousands of them. They're in comments and emails and the direct messages. And again, thank you so much for your patience as we try to work through them. But 
by far one of the uh, one of the most asked questions that we get is regarding the spiritual but not religious path. And like I said, so so for years, those two words have been used synonymously, religious and spiritual. And this has blurred the lines between what exactly those words mean. And some of that has been actually intentional because that's been manufactured by organized religion to control the masses by harnessing their beliefs and convincing them that the only way to the holy was through the church doors. So very early on in church history, church leaders figured out that aligning with government and governance policies ensured that people would be obligated to attend and fund the institution of organized religion. So that's why, and at that time, that's also during that era, that's when you started to see um, things like uh, religious holidays that did not e- exist in the Bible that have no scriptural reference like Easter and Christmas and All Saints Day and all those different things, but they were intentionally placed into the calendar so that people would be forced not to partake in their earth-based pagan traditions and be forced to comply with the church rituals and the new traditions. So again, so that starts to blur the line where you're mandated to attend these these, uh, religious uh, events and traditions, and it's called spiritual, it's called sacred, but it's a requirement or you'll get your head cut off or something like here. Now, this isn't me being intentionally insulting to religion. This is fact. You can go look this up. I've certainly talked enough about it throughout the podcast. There's all kinds of references out there that tells you the origin of Christmas, the origin of Easter, the origin of All Saints Day to, to supplant uh, the energy and the celebrations around Halloween. So your affiliation or affection for, for religion should not be mitigated by those facts. So in other words, what facts should not change how you view your your religious affiliation that you but you should also be willing to accept it that this is truth accepting the flaws in our collective history reveals our spiritual uh, maturity and i could really get down a rabbit hole here when we're talking about the flaws of our collective history especially in our country where right now there's so much pushback on critical race theory, which examines the disparity between how Black people have historically been treated in this country versus how white people are. It's all data driven. It's all proven that historically Black people are more more apt to be arrested when uh, a white person will be get a slap on the wrist for the same crime with the same uh, background and or how many are more than likely in prison, more than likely harmed if they're stopped by a police officer, on and on and on it goes. But not even talking about redlining district where banks completely literally drew lines around uh, demographic areas and said, we will not fund them. And then so if a black family went to go get a loan to buy a house, even though they, they could afford it, they were well off. They were actually in the same economic 
uh, background of the white couple, they would be denied with no explanation because that was all code in the back of the of, of the back office of the bank that said, no, we don't fund this red line area. So this is what critical race theory is about. It's about, and that's what I'm talking about when I say how important it is that we accept the flaws of our collective, collective history. I'm white. It doesn't make me less of a human being to accept that and want my grandchildren to understand that so that we can be better versions of ourselves for the future. You don't, you do not mitigate or change anything about the future of humanity by denying this. That's what's so comical. People who want to reject the facts from our history, whether it's religious history or whether it's about racial injustices, you're not, you might be slowing it down a little bit, but if history can teach you anything, the road to, for, to, for humanity is expanding into compassion and equity. That's where we've always been headed. You're not going to, you're not going to stop that. So you might want to fight against that now, but it will not change the trajectory of where we're going because you might look at this snapshot and say, okay, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of really unethical things happen that suppress voices and suppress votes. That's this little bit of time. But when you look at the expansive history of where we're going and where we've come from, we're moving in the right direction. And that's for those of you who get frustrated and think we're not making progress. We absolutely are, but it takes time and it takes every one of us who like uh, the religious right, like to say now the white and woke is, is like a, a sin, I guess, when in reality, it's the expansion of your spiritual awakening. That's what it is. But what it does, what, what a spiritual awakening is, is holding people accountable. So those who see the world through the filter of a patriarchal misogynistic system that requires that someone always be less than, that's being rejected over and over and over, repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. So that history hopefully doesn't repeat itself. So that we take some of the lessons from the past so that we say, God forbid the Holocaust never happens again. God forbid World War I or World War II, they, they don't happen again. So th those of us who see the markers to say it absolutely could, and we, we stay awake and say, no, we're gonna fight for social justice and equity for all, and anybody where any place where people are using their religious beliefs to suffocate the rights of others, we're going to speak out against that. That's what this is about. And so collective history, whether it's in religion, whether it's in critical race theory, whatever it is, if you're rejecting it, you are inhibiting part of your spiritual growth your spiritual connection to the divine. I don't care what church you're in. I don't care how often you go to church. I don't care how religious you are. You are inhibiting some deep sacred soul work that connects you to the divine, that connects you to your fellow humans. Wow, really got down a rabbit hole there, but we'll just go back to my, my writings here where I say rejecting those flaws is concerning because organized religion and, and their religious cohorts would, would make great strides in healing some of the wounds caused by religious dark side if they admitted it existed instead of watering it down and dismissing the past as well. The past is the past and we just need to move on. No, we're going to hold each other accountable and we're going to talk about it. Okay, so 
like I said earlier, religion intentionally hijacked pagan and communal uh, traditions and supplanted them with religious holidays such as Easter and All Souls Day and Christmas. But what they did then at that time, these newly established church traditions, they called them sacred. So that's the first word we're going to talk about today, which is what, what was hijacked by religion. A couple others are spirituality and holy, anything like that, the divine, anything like that, that used to just be in the container of religion actually belongs to the entirety of humanity. So you can be holy without, you can seek the holy without religion. You can be spiritual without religion. You can connect to the divine without religion, and you can have sacred ways to show up in your life without religion. So that this is us now reclaiming those words for humanity where they always belonged. So because it's really about how we exemplify sacred living, how we exemplify our path to the holy. How do we exemplify what we call the our spiritual practices? How do we how do we exemplify spirituality? How do we show up in the world? Who do we touch? How do we love? That's will be our story. That's our sacred path in our lives. So sacred then become, became associated with religious sac- sanction events. And oftentimes they were so sanctioned, they left little room for the sacred to arrive in other spaces. So in other words, you, you went in and you were told to bow here, chant here, pay here, and out the door you went and you kind of got a check mark for being seen. The truth is, however, is that sacred, holy, and spirituality belong to all of creation, not just to the religious. That is the truth that I and millions like me are now realizing as we reject the construct of organized religion to explore the unknown paths of the spiritual wilderness. Now, the spiritual wilderness can be a really scary place, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before I do, This spiritual wilderness is now where you find a lot of the people who aren't necessarily, who wouldn't say that they are spiritual, but not religious, but they become unchurched or they become unaffiliated with religion because the data shows that more people now consider themselves spiritual, but not religious or intentionally making a proclamation to say I'm unchurched or not affiliated with any religion. And that allows them to stand in their truth and that the holy is found there, dear ones. It's an individual spirituality that allows them to expand into the indescribable and undefinable ways that this spiritual but not religious path can move you into. And, and, it, and that depends on how you embrace it. So now let's talk a little bit about the spiritual wilderness. So the spiritual but not religious path isn't for the faint of heart. It can be lonely and unsettling when the container that held your spirituality and provided you a roadmap is no longer there. So oftentimes you'll say, you know, I, I call this like the spiritual gap because you're, you're standing outside of a religious construct, which really held your spirituality. And it told you what to do. It told you what to believe. It told you what time to be at church. And it kind of gave you an, a how-to roadmap on how to be spiritual. So the first thing you kind of look out here for is, Well, who can I connect with and what should I do? When in reality, some of what you need to do is, is, is your own work. This is where we encourage people to be, to be journaling, to just start writing your story. And why are you here? And that question can mean a thousand different things. And if you ask it 
every day for a year, you're going to get a different answer every time you answer it. And that can become your spiritual practice. And by the end of the year, you're like, wow, I had no idea I had this inside me, but it gives you markers for what your next steps are. So many people who come out of religion also need to deconstruct. You don't realize how much, even though you might reject your religious heritage, you don't realize how much of your life, you're still filtering through that belief system. So it shows up on how you judge people, how you connect with people, how you feel about spirituality, what's wrong, right, up, down, left, right. So there's a, there's a time for uh, deconstruction. And is there time for healing? Because most often than not, people don't realize that they have religious trauma, but it is very, very real. So this paradox between wanting to be here and being confused and lonely, but at the same time, finding this peace can end up being a very, very sacred place. But for the, for some, it's so scary that it ends, they end up going back to church where they just fake it in the pews because this, they're going to just try to silence that, that internal long longing and because the risk of being alone and not knowing what they're doing is too great. It's just easier to fake it and be a part of a spiritual community where you feel like you're at least seen one time a week. And I understand it. I thought about it a time or two, but in the end, I'm so glad I didn't. Because if you trust the call and you begin to untangle from the indoctrination that no longer serves your highest spiritual self, what arrives cannot be contained in the walls of a church building. It's often that time where you hear that call for that spiritual wilderness, for the spiritual but not religious path. The first thing that you need to do is believe it. Believe that it is real. Because if you hear it, then it is waiting for you to welcome you with open and loving and affirming arms. But it's your journey. It's your spiritual journey. The one who encourages you to remain entrenched in religion, they often have selfish reasons to do so. Because after all, who's going to be left in the pews to perpetuate this institution if everybody leaves? So that's the first thing that happens. So you want to make sure you're using really sound counsel if you're searching for people who can tell you whether or not this is a call that you need to heed. And most of the time that's not found inside. I, I mean, I have had stories where people have said that they're pastors, they're very wise and grounded and connected and awake. Pastors said, you need to listen to this call and you need to go out into the spiritual wilderness and figure out what it is you're being called to do. And sometimes it, it ends up that the people actually return after they've done it, after they've gone into the spiritual wilderness and they go back into their spiritual uh, community or their organized religion, that's okay. Or they stay here where so many of us have. There's no judgment there, but the experience is worth it if you feel called to it. I want to leave you with this last thought. If the spiritual wilderness is calling to you, if you feel called to the spiritual but not religious path, then I'm going to just leave you with this. May the mystery of the spiritual wilderness entice, enrich, and bless you. And may that experience, once you're deep in it and you don't know where the path is and you don't know what the next steps are, may it all remind you who you truly are.
and blessed be. Whew. Okay, beloveds, I'm honored to be in this space with you. And I, I pray you receive something. I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are and were meant to be. Blessings on your week and I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to spiritualitymatters at revcarla.com. As always, follow at Rev Carla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now!